our community is uh, traveling through the letter that Paul wrote to a place called Colossae. And we're following a theme uh, in that little letter. And it just kind of, it's really within the message Bible. It says a life shaped by things and not by God is, no, that's not what we want. We want a life that's shaped by God. So that's really what we've been asking as we've read Colossians. You know, God, how, what's the way that you're shaping our lives? We're inviting him to shape our lives. So this morning, a life shaped by God is a life that's being renewed. This is a question. It would be a trick question because I really have a specific... I've already answered my question, so I'm, I'm not really asking you to answer the question because I'm going to tell you the answer in a minute. But just out of curiosity, you know, what would be, what would be one word that comes to your mind that would be the summary of the time of salvation. Now, time of salvation, what, I, what I'm thinking about there is, you know, God, when we made our faithful decision and, and humanity rebelled against God, God at that moment went to work to bring salvation. They made the wrong choice. So how am I going to get them out of this dilemma? So the whole story that we have in the Bible is about a God who's been pursuing us, this reckless love we sang about. We've been on this self-destructive path, so he's been working. So time of salvation can be really, really broad because it starts way back there. You could narrow it to the, the real, like when God stepped into humanity with Jesus, God became a man, Jesus, and he came for one purpose, and that was to save us, the time of salvation, to put an end to our rebellion, to change the course of the world, to put us on a different pathway. Or you could even make it personal, you know, your time of, of salvation. When, when you said, yes, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the King. You're the Messiah. I want to follow you. That's a time of salvation. So that, does that give you some time to think? Just what a, what's a word? Just yes, get one word. What would it be? Deliverance. Deliverance. Good word. What, what was that word? Jesus. Jesus, okay. Great. Any other word? Love. Oh, love. Okay, we had two, jumped out. I got love. Buck, what'd you say? Resurrection. Resurrection, life. Okay, great. These are all good. I mean, these are all great words. They all are, are great words. But it's not the word I was thinking of. <laughs> the word is new. New. New is the epitome of the holy, different, and miraculous thing which is brought by the time of salvation. New is the epitome. Now, I know epitome is not a word that we use a lot. It's a summary. <coughs> what one word would summarize this holy, different, and miraculous thing that God has done? How are you going to summarize that? One suggest this is just one suggestion. Other books would which would mention every word that you used. <clears throat> but in this resource, the word is new. Now new is also it's the it's the leading teleological term in apocalyptic promise. Don't get don't get hung up on the words. <clears throat> apocalyptic promise just means that. God, 
decided long time ago that he was going to do something dramatic in the last days. That's, that's all it means. God determined, he actually promised, I'm going to turn this ship around. Humanity's not going to do it, <clears throat> but I'm going to do it. And he promised that. And I'll do it in the last days. And when it happens, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be dramatic. That's what apocalyptic means. New is the best word for the end, the purpose, the goal of God's promise fulfillment. God set himself out to do something new. So consider, as you've, as you've read uh, the New Testament, consider the times that new comes up. A new heaven and a new earth. Thank you so much. The new Jerusalem. The new wine of the future banquet. The new name. The new song. Behold. Behold. Isn't that a great song? Behold. We're so grateful for Taylor. Anyway, Jesus is saying, Behold, I make all things, say it with me, new. And not in the least, there is also new humanity. In Colossians chapter 3, (coughs) verses 9 and 10. Having stripped off your old self, complete with its patterns of disobedience, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed... In the image of the Creator, bringing you into possession of new knowledge in this new humanity. The King is everything and in everything. How many times do you see new in these two verses? Three. I highlighted them. I tried to make it easy. <laughs> True, that's true. Having stripped off your old self, complete with its patterns of disobedience, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of the Creator, bringing you into possession of new knowledge in this new humanity, the King is everything and in everything. Old humanity stripped off, New humanity takes its place. Now, as Molly shared last week, she did a great job of pointing out to us that we're coming out of the rule of worldly elements. It doesn't mean that those worldly powers and elements are not still around us. They're still here. But in following Jesus... We're coming out of the influence. that They have no power over us. And so we can strip off the old behavior, the disobedient behavior. So illicit sexual behavior, uncleanliness, passion, that would be illicit passion. That would be evil desire, greed. Greed is a form of idolatry. Anger, rage, wickedness, blasphemy, dirty talk, lies... This is a description of all we were before we started following Jesus. This is humanity 
before Christ. So again, Molly did a great job of just saying, hey, this is not just about individual hang-ups or sins or transgressions. This is a description of something bigger. This is a description of the old man, the old humanity, what we were without Jesus. And as big as it is, there's just a real simple command. Strip off the old self. This is my old vest. This is my old dirty vest. This is, I mean, you know, it's kind of maybe a favorite But, you know, oh, yeah, thank you. I'm going to get all tangled, aren't I? Yeah. Okay. We'll try not to be so tangled. Hello. So notice the collar. You know, you probably wouldn't want, you'd think, ugh. I'm going to get like cooties if I put this vest on. Adam, you want to put my vest on? No, thank you. I didn't think it would. But I got to tell you, it's a good vest. It's well worn. The zipper doesn't work anymore. If I get the zipper, if I get it to work, then I can't get it to undo. So then I have to, you know, ungraciously pull the thing over my head. Uh, I don't remember the last time that it was laundered. You know, you have an old vest. Why? Why? Why clean it? I mean, you know, it doesn't get that cold all the time in New Braunfels, right? This old vest. You don't want this vest, right? No. Lots of pockets. Lots of pockets. Lots of little zippers. Yeah, I can put all my baggage in here. I mean, as crazy as it seems... What, in this most dramatic change from an old piece of clothing, one of these years I'm going to throw it away, not yet, I have a hard time of, Susan will, that's true, from old to new. I mean, that, that's what Paul is saying, it's just that easy. But how is it that easy? How could it be that easy? It's because of what Jesus has done. It's not what we've done. The only way that we can shed our old humanity and embrace new humanity, take off the old, put on the new, is we've received Jesus. We've received Jesus and we've received what he has done for us. He's done it. He's done all the work. So then it's like, well, why do you want, why do you want to hang on to the old when you have the new? And then just, again, let this just try to, I mean, I, I'm just trying to let this soak in. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we were buried together with him. Like we died with him. And we were raised with him. 
we now live a life together with him. So the connection that we have to what Jesus has done for us is incredible. And it's, the only, it's absolutely the only way that Paul can suggest that it's just as easy as taking off an old vest and putting on a new vest because all the work's been done by Jesus. Our problem is that we want to try to add to, oh, come on, let me add just a little bit. Let me just add a little bit. And he's saying, no, you don't need to. It's done. We just need to receive the incredible work that Jesus has done for us so that in putting on the new self, we're being renewed. We're being renewed in the image of the creator. Whenever I choose the old, the image of the creator is lost in some way. Humanity never totally loses the image of creator stamped deep within the soul of humanity. But in our rebellion against our creator, that image becomes hidden. Layers and layers and layers of our transgression, our hate, our perversion, whatever. Never totally lost, but buried. Hard to see. But once we've shed that old, we put on the new, now we're being renewed into the image of our creator. So the image of God that God originally intended that you and I would bear becomes clearer and clearer. The more we walk, the more we move on, the more we live in this new life, embracing all that Jesus has done, the image of our creators has become brighter and brighter. That's incredible. And he's bringing us into possession of new knowledge. What's really beautiful about that translation is that the, the heresy, the, the draw, the thing that's trying to pull the believers in Colossae away from some of these truths was Gnosticism, which is a new knowledge. And what Paul said, there's no need to find anything else because everything we need is in Jesus. So Jesus brings us into new knowledge about life and about humanity. So he's creating a new humanity free from our rebellion and described with these words. Tender-hearted. Kind. Humble. Meek. Patient. Bearing with one another. Loving, loving, which ties everything together and makes it complete. The new humanity that we have put on is described in these words. We are to be a people. When people look at us, they say, hey, that group of people, hey, they're tenderhearted, they're kind, they're humble. They're meek. They're patient. They bear with one another. They forgive one another. And they're loving. And that love ties everything together and makes it complete. In this new humanity, our King, Jesus, 
is everything. Because we owe everything to him. We are who we are. We are who we are becoming because of what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus continues to do for us. He's everything. And he's also in everything because his plan of redemption, renewal, is everything is going to be renewed. He's not going to stop until all of creation is renewed. Our king is everything and in everything. So my friends, I want to invite you to come to the king's table this morning. And Inga and Jeff, if I could invite y'all, could y'all kind of prepare that table and that table? Kind of split up. I think complaining was on one of these lists. (laughs) The reason I want to invite you to come to the king's table is this. For whatever crazy reason, you know, I keep going back to my old desk. It's hard for me to get rid of it. I keep looking. I keep shopping somewhat. but, But this is what we do in the spiritual realm. We keep putting the old over the new. We don't have to. There's, there is absolutely no reason why we would layer up putting the old over the new. Sometimes it's even worse. This is going to get complicated again. Maybe more often than putting the old on over the new is we keep the old under the new. That's pretty ugly. Again, we owe nothing to our old humanity. The old humanity is dead. Buried. The new humanity has been raised with Jesus. It's as if we've, we've actually experienced resurrection before our time. But God, again, he gives us this choice. Which, which will we put on and which will we take off? So as we come to the table today, my hope... rid of the old everything that we need I mean it's actually been done but to come to the table to remember what Jesus has done for us get rid of the old if any of those words describe any of the activities that you're involved in get rid of it You, you owe no obligation to the old and put on the new Because that's who we are. Jesus did too much for us. For us not to receive the new humanity. And to live in that new humanity individually and corporately. 
So I'm going to invite you to come to the table. I want you to go. I want you to get your element, and I want you to bring it back to your chair. Don't take it at the tables, but, but take the element back to them. We'll take it together. Um, was there, there was a cap on that one, right? Okay, this is grape juice. I don't want to get confused here. So we have those of you that prefer grape juice, you're welcome to come to this table. We're going to have our older kids come and join us. So families, if you're going to take your kids, that's grape juice. And this is wine. We'd like you to go and receive the wine and the bread, bring it back to your chair, and then we'll, we'll partake of the elements together. Let me say a quick prayer. Lord, we thank you that you're our king, that this is your table, and that you have done everything for us so that we could live a new life. It's a new and a beautiful life. It's a life that's consistent with who you are. Lord, forgive us uh, for holding on to the old. Forgive us for keeping an old vest and pulling it out every once in a while and putting it on when we don't need to. There's absolutely no reason to do that. So help us this day to strip off the old at your table and to put on the new. Empower us, Holy Spirit, as you empower these elements so that the grace and the mercy and the power of the death of Jesus are somehow um, translated into these, these bodies. Empower us, Lord, to be this new humanity. To your praise. Amen. So I invite you to come to the table. Grape juice here, wine there. Get your elements. Come back to your chair, please. In another letter, Paul writes, I received from the Lord. I received from the Lord. I received from Jesus. What I also handed on to you. So what we're about to do is something that came from Jesus. 
But the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, the Lord, we, we have broken the bread and we have given you thanks. And we're going to eat this bread in remembrance of you. And what I'd like for you to consider is the death of your old humanity. Your old humanity died with Jesus on the cross. So remember what Jesus did for you as you eat the bread. Let's eat together remembering Jesus. In the same way, Jesus took the cup also. And after supper, saying, this cup is the new, new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So as we drink the cup, what what I'd like us to remember is the promise of new humanity. Jesus pledged himself to create new humanity from the old, and we're it. So let's receive the benefits of the cross, the benefits of the blood shed. Let's let's receive the benefits of his promise fulfilled. He's making us new. He's renewing us. Let's remember him. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. There's a proclamation in what we've done. So I'd like you to stand with me. And I'd like us to make a proclamation together. Again, in our, in our liturgy, whatever, what's in darkened, that's the congregation. We'll say that together. And the light is what the officiant would say. <coughs> So our declaration, with King Jesus, with King Jesus, with King Jesus, amen. Thank you for our morning together. Go live the life.